Good morning, Grace. Oh, man, you ought to do better than that. My Razorbacks won last night. Good morning, Grace. <laughs> the Lord must be coming back really soon. They won it again. Um, well, this morning we want to um, begin by um, just celebrating the Lord in terms of um, answered prayer in the life of John Burnett. Uh, one of our um, members here at Grace, um, he uh, has had surgery this last week, and um, literally yesterday morning, um, the men were up here for prayer breakfast, and we were being updated throughout that time together yesterday morning, and it was amazing just to um, see how the Lord was answering prayer literally as we were praying and by the end of our time together uh, yesterday morning, um, John had improved quite a bit from where he was. And um, we just praise the Lord for that. Um, we're thankful to him for protecting John. And um, so we just want to celebrate the Lord in that. Now that's Our theme for the conference today is celebration, you know, celebrating the Lord. Um, and there is much to celebrate. Uh, but we want to begin by acknowledging the Lord and just answered prayer for John. And uh, it looks like he and Chris will be able to come home uh, this week, which is a great praise. And um, so we want to pray in just a moment and thank the Lord for that. But I wanted to begin with that. It's such an encouragement. You know, um, just having the body of Christ praying for another member of the body. And I wore pink today for John because John's one of the other men in the church that'll wear pink. And so a uh, big shout out to John for wearing pink, pink from time to time. So you guys who don't wear pink, get on board. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But we just want to thank the Lord for um, answered prayer uh, in John's life. And continue to pray for Chris and for um, uh, Lindsay. Is, uh, she's up there as well. And then for Tony and Paige and the family. So... Uh, we just want to thank the Lord for his answered prayer. also wanted to make mention um, just in thankfulness for the freedom that we have in our country um, to be able to gather together. You, know, you just saw that video about our veterans. And veterans Day is Wednesday. We don't want to forget our veterans. Uh, those men and women who are willing to serve, that serve now all around the world, uh, protecting the freedoms that we have. And so... Uh, we really, really need to celebrate the freedom we enjoy to be able to come together as a congregation. I want to ask if there are any men and women this service who have served our country or are serving our country. If you just please stand, we'd like to recognize you uh, this morning. All right. Thank you guys for your service. There were several that stood during first service this morning, and I was just looking around and just looking at these two guys and thinking, man, Lord, uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. And um, there are so many places around the world that don't have the type of freedom that we have to be able to come together and to celebrate the Lord. Um, when I was putting together the church conference um, just that whole theme of celebrating the Lord is what was brought to mind. And there's a lot of reasons to celebrate. 
Now, we live in a time where um, some have kind of an Eeyore mentality. Uh, they act like Debbie Downers, you know, that everything is just it's not going the way I want it to go. And I'm thinking, well, hold on a second. I mean, we shouldn't be acting like Eeyores. We know the end of the story, right? We know that Christ is coming for us. We have so much to be thankful for if we belong to Christ. So I'm going to ask you to make the choice from this day forward that we are going to stand together in the joy of the Lord, right? I mean, that's just, that's a choice that we make. We can look around and look at circumstances and, and, and allow ourselves to be controlled by circumstances or we can press on with a greater theme in our mind that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord and he desires us to serve him 100%. And so I trust that you'll have the mindset that the Apostle Paul had when he wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, it's almost like, hey, if you didn't get it, Paul's saying, and again I say rejoice. And here's a guy who's chained to a Roman guard who has a little bit of freedom, but not a whole lot of freedom. And he's telling these guys, this is, needs to be our attitude. So I just want to encourage you guys that we have a lot to celebrate I wanted to remind you of some of these things this morning as we begin our church conference uh, together. I wanted to remind you of the freedom that we have together in worship. You know, um, this year has looked different. How many of you would agree with that? 2020 has kind of been a different year. You know, um, we stopped meeting in person on the 22nd of March. That was our first Sunday that we went to live stream. And for about 10 weeks... Um, we were just in 10, 10 of us in the building and, um, myself and all these guys in the back and the, the praise and worship team, um, would come, whether it was, uh, Brian and his group or, uh, Ron putting together a praise team. Um, you know, it doesn't look like it did in terms of all of us being together and we can focus on what we don't have or we can focus on what we have. And again, that's a choice that we make. And so I just want to say thank you to the Lord for the freedom that we've had. I want to point out, too, these guys in the back and the praise team, teams have been so committed during this whole time. But for those 10 weeks, they were up here every week ministering and serving for the Lord. I just think we ought to give a hand to all those guys. We're thankful for all of their... All of their labor. Uh, we really, really appreciate uh, Van's leadership in that and Ron's leadership in that. Those were different days. It was different looking out there and, and literally not having but maybe three or four people sitting in the chairs and those guys were in the back. Um, and I think to make me feel better and to make the praise teams feel better, uh, they dragged in. Uh, one Sunday we had a, a was it a bear? That we had sitting in the back and uh, I think I said Buddy the Bear even one Sunday and some people called me and texted me and said hey was Buddy in the building and I'm like not not that Buddy uh, we're talking about Buddy the Bear and uh, then they added puppets uh, and those puppets were something uh, they had one that was about right in here with its mouth wide open so attentive every week and um, so it was different. In fact, you were at home Easter. You know, that was one of the, I think, as 
Brian and I were talking and even the team, you know, that was one of the most different Sundays for sure because you're used to having everybody in here and celebrating together the resurrection of Christ. But do you know that uh, in that time and specifically on Easter Sunday and even since then, our live stream has reached thousands of people. And uh, it's just amazing what the Lord's done even through something like this that there have been people tuning in uh, to our live stream. And what's amazing about that is just a few weeks before we had to go to live stream, um, that's actually when we were capable of, of, of going online. So we just thank the Lord for uh, his timing uh, in all of this. And um, he opened many doors of opportunity. And there are still doors of opportunity for us especially living in a world uh, which is focusing on circumstances, you know, things going on. Um, I think there's an opportunity for us to focus on the living and loving God uh, who gave himself up for us. So um, there's been many doors of opportunities uh, for us this, this year. Um, even though it has been a different kind of year, the Lord has opened up opportunities for us to minister more and more. I want to kind of just remind you of, uh, briefly of where we were and where we are now you know we started in uh, march 22nd just doing online services and then um toward the end of may i think it was the fourth sunday in may we started with two services which is what we have now and i know that everyone has the desire to be back together i understand that the elders understand that and the guys in the back understand that brian understands that i understand that uh, believe me, we all understand that. We have a desire to get back to one service. We have a desire for our Sunday school ministry to happen. Um, and we're praying about that as elders. When is the time? You know, God's timing in all this has been so uh, so incredible. And we're thankful for his faithfulness. And I know as you're sitting out in your seats, you're thinking, well, maybe this should happen or that should happen. And I understand that. You know, I, I get that. Everybody has their viewpoints. But I can promise you, that the elders have been consistently praying through the different challenges that we've had this year as it relates to our ministries. But I want to remind you that the Lord has been faithful to add some ministries since the end of the summer. We've been able to meet again with Women's Bible Study that meets on Monday nights. We're thankful for that. Uh, men's Bible Studies uh, have started back on Tuesday mornings, which if you're not involved in, and you have time on, on Tuesday mornings, uh, George Morange and Steve Bartlett kind of sharing that responsibility. Um, our youth ministry has started back again on Wednesday nights. And uh, we praise the Lord for all of our youth leaders. We have a, quite a few more youth in here than we did first service. Um, but we are so thankful for those that lead our youth ministry. Uh, we're thankful for their faithfulness to do, to do that. And um, so they've started meeting back again. Uh, they've actually been on a youth retreat. Um, our children's ministry probably has it been impacted the most in terms of what's going on this year. Um, they, they did have a summer camp, and um, they were able to go uh, on their trip uh, this last summer. Um, and then Awana and Vacation Bible School, Vacation Bible School was done virtually, and uh, Awana has been as well. And obviously we would love to see these ministries back in person. Um, but we're praying about the time for that. And, and I would just ask in all of this that you guys as a congregation would be committed to praying for us and the decisions that we make. Um, 
and, and all that. And so if you could just pray about, about that. And I would just add a challenge to those of uh, you who are parents with children. You know, Andrea's worked really hard during this time. Um, and, you know, easily she could be really, really discouraged. But the Lord has um, just given her um, the ability to, to have joy in the midst of all this. And um, so she is continually being faithful as it relates to Awana. And I would encourage you as parents to take advantage of the opportunities that she's made available to you. Um, she does a tremendous job, and she has a very difficult job. And I know that to be true because I was a children's director for years, nine years. <laughs> There's always challenges as it relates to children's ministry. So... Um, Parents, make sure you thank her, right? Make sure you thank her. Appreciate the job that she's doing uh, during these days. I know that we do as elders. Appreciate her very much. I, I know you do know this, but we've recently added Children's Church back to um, Second Service, which is a blessing for the parents who have children here that, that are in that age group. And then um, we've also added nursery back. And um, so, you know, the Lord is doing his work his way. And we're trying to get on board with what he wants for us as elders in terms of leadership. And so my encouragement to you would be to continue to pray for us as the Lord leads us uh, to um, you know, getting these ministries back in place. I did want to um, make mention of a missions opportunity that uh, is going on right now. Um, we have a group of men that are down at iTech in Florida. And they're building uh, houses there at iTech. And, um, you know, the, one of the things that um, we've had to do this year is be a little more creative in how we do that. And so um, you continue to pray with us and with the missions committee uh, for opportunities locally um, that we might be able to serve. And Glenn Epps is going to talk a little bit about that uh, this morning. But I wanted to remind you of those things. There's a lot of reasons that we have to celebrate. I trust that that can be our attitude, that we would celebrate what we do have. Because you think about around the world in the persecuted church, I mean, they're not even free in a lot of cases to gather together. So you think about it, you're comfortable in here, right? You might be a little cold if you're one of those kind of people, but it feels good to me. But, I mean, the bottom line is we have a lot of freedom. We have a lot of blessings. You're going to hear this morning a lot of reasons to celebrate. The Lord has provided for us in really miraculous ways this year, so... Uh, I would encourage all of us that we would move away. If we have an Eeyore menta mentality, we'd move away from that and rejoice in the Lord and all that he is doing in his church. All right. This morning, um, we want to begin uh, with a missions testimony and update. And a few weeks ago, um, the Lord put two people on my heart, Glenneth Munkus and Van Cook, to represent different uh, ministries here. Uh, at Grace, and so I, I um, contacted both of them. I'll let you kind of let them kind of tell you how that came about. But Glenn F. Munkus is going to come now and share with us a little bit about uh, missions this morning. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Okay. 
I'm Glenath Monkis. I'm a teacher at Hoover High School. I teach uh, in the business department of Business Academy at Hoover High School. So I really should be used to this. You guys are my second period. So <laughs> and the great thing about second period is that they, I got to practice during first period. So this should all go a lot better, right? So I was in the middle of a very busy work day. I almost, um, always am. Now with um, COVID, I have to also teach virtual. So I have like nine classes. So um, I was doing Google Meet, and then suddenly there was a voicemail that came into my phone. And yes, in high school, we're not supposed to have our phones out, but I have mine out. I, I use my teacher privileges because my parents uh, stayed home with Lucas, and they're new to the U.S., so I wanted to be sure that they can contact me if, you know, if there's an emergency or something's going up. So I listened to the voicemail, and Pastor Thad asked me to talk uh, today. And my first, my first thing was like, nope, not doing it. I'm so busy. I will just end up crying. Every time I give my testimony, that's what I do. I cry. So I'm just going to end up wasting everybody's time. So I got it all planned. I'm going to call Thad um, in a little bit. But then I keep looking at my phone. As I was working, continue working, I keep looking at my phone. And there's just this nagging feeling that saying no is not the right thing to do. So, yes, that was the Holy Spirit telling me that I really should say yes. So I called him back. I know if I waited until the end of the day, I would have found more excuses to say no. So I'm glad I did. Um, these past few weeks, I've been really thinking and planning as to what I'm going to tell you all. I was told that I can have 10 to 15 minutes, and you know I'll take the whole 15 minutes, about missions. And um, first is, I believe that mission changes lives. It definitely changed my life and the life of a couple from Texas. Let's see if that works there. Uh, uh. Uh, one more time. What happened? Come on, Harley, fix my slide. Okay, let's try it one more time. What is it on? Um, okay. I click too much. And I tell my kids that. Don't get, stop clicking. Clicking more is not going to do anything. It's just going to make it worse. So while they're doing that, let me just uh, conti continue talking. So anyways, there was this couple from Texas. I think they were originally from Colorado. They decided that they're going to move halfway around the world to, the, to an island in the Pacific Ocean. Um, Larry and Mary Waters came to the Philippines in the 70s. But years before that, evangelical missionaries uh, shared the gospel to my gran grandparents' family. The Philippines is predominantly Catholic. Um, as a result, my parents grew up in a house, in a Protestant home, believing that salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone, contrary to the popular Catholic belief that one has to do good works and pay indulgences or absolution to go to heaven. So my dad was a national pastor of the church that Larry and Mary Waters started. So this was us, 1999, I think this was the year um, before I left home. Um, so I grew up in a home involved in full-time ministry. Like, you don't miss church unless you're dying. Like, I've gone to church with a fever, y'all. So my dad won't believe me. So, well, maybe I was just really playing. So anyways, I grew up in a home like that. We were in full-time ministry. Um, I really miss church. I wrote down every Greek and Hebrew word that Larry Waters would put in the screen. Um, I attended vacation Bible school. I won a lot of Bible games. You know, I was the almost perfect pastor's kid. But I was as lost as my Catholic friends who believed that they must do good works to go to heaven. It was not until one Sunday when I was nine that I fully understood that I needed to make a personal choice of believing in the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Larry Waters, our missionary, showed a picture similar to this one Sunday. 
So do you guys know where this picture came from? It's from a tract. It's yellow. It's called the four spiritual laws. So at the beginning of church, they would show um, pictures from, from this tract. And the spirit convicted me that day. I realized that I need to make my own personal choice of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. My life was changed by then, at that moment. I became a new creation. I belong to the body of Christ, not because I'm a pastor's kid, but because I trusted the Lord as my Savior. And also because I had a personal relationship with God, I took ownership of our ministry. I serve because I have a changed life. I am a new creation, not because it was what was expected of me. That commitment to ministry and service was really tested when I moved out of my parents' house. So young people, someday that's going to happen. You know, your dad or your mom will not be there to wake you up, to make you go to church. Um, if you are in ministry, there's not going to be the church members that's going to be horrified and offended with what you're doing. So, you know, now I'm halfway around the world. I'm free of, of, of my parents and their expectations. But because I am a new creation, because I'm a believer, the Holy Spirit was there convicting me and guiding me. So, fast forward years later, I'm here. I have this plan to be a full-time missionary when I retire. So at 55, my plan was I'm going to quit teaching, retire. Aubrey will be Aubrey, our only child for 10 years. Um, well, nine. Nine years will be in college. She's going to be independent. She can do whatever she has. Then I will have plenty of time to, to serve in mission. Well, you guys know what happened, right? <laughs> there. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we get pregnant in our 40s, <laughs> mid-40s. So does this mean that retirement is out of question? Yeah, probably. But how about mission work? Does this mean that we can't be missionaries? We cannot serve in ministry anymore? Um, you know, when you are up feeding at night in your 40s and you have to go to work the next day, so you try to stay awake because you don't want to sleep and roll on the baby and, you know, bad things will happen. So I think, I pray, and yes, I also check a lot of social media at that time. So anyways, one night, um, I realized that the Lord is telling me that now is the time to do ministry. Now is the time to do mission. So that's my point number two. Not only does it change lives, but, it, but mission is now. We can't wait. We, there's no perfect time. So for the last 10 years, I've been helping our missions committee um, write checks, making sure that the support that we have committed to our 38 missionaries, uh, that it makes it there on time. So that's my job. Being involved in our missions committee gives me purpose and joy. And you have to be involved in, in ministry at church, not just attend church, um, to, to have that purpose and to feel that joy. Um, I learned from experienced mission committee members. So you guys know who you are. We laugh, we pray, we budget. We really get to know our missionaries really well. Um, but most of all, I see and experience God's faithfulness again and again and again and again through our church, through the missions ministry, through the missionaries' work, through their lives. So I cannot, um, I cannot emphasize enough how important that is that you guys be involved. So I'm here today standing, um, encouraging you to join us in our missions committee if you, if you want to serve. There is no interview process. Just join us. We usually meet on a Thursday once a month. So I cannot pack my bags and go to the ends of the world yet. 
so what can I do? You know, missions is now. Uh, we are, we do, or what can we do here in our home base, in our home church? Can we be our missionaries' uh, mission control? Let's not leave that job to their missions agency alone. So we, as their supporters, are, as their church, we can do a lot of stuff right here, right now. So, for example, we can be event planners. Uh, we, you can help us plan events like this. Aren't they cute? A lot of those kids are way taller than most of us now. Well, I mean, they were taller than me before, but they're taller than a lot of you. <laughs> so, so, yeah, these are some of the mission conferences pictures that I've, I took. I figure I'll use some of the old ones. So, yeah, we need event planners, and some of you are really good at that. Uh, we also need fundraisers. It would be really great if our missionaries doesn't have to worry about support raising. Um, you know, like maybe think of a GoFundMe that is mission-minded. And another one, and I know this, you guys have heard this word before, we can be influencers. So we live in a world where we are followed by hundreds of people in our social media account, if not even thousands. Um, we have different social media. We have, you know, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. When was the last time, I asked myself, when was the last time I post something on my social media account about missions, about the work of Christ, about ministry? How about you guys? We live in a world where the mundane can earn so many comments, views. It will be shared a thousand times. Surely we can find a way to make mission work trending on IG, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Snapchat, and also on TikTok. What do you think, young people? So I did my little research. Apparently, in 2020, this is the top three pictures that were viewed on TikTok. Uh, those of you that know, that's like that new thing. Um, this picture over here, that one in the middle, Zach King, I don't know who he is, but you know that picture was viewed 2.2 billion times. 2.2 billion times. So how can we make these pictures be viewed as much? Maybe not 2.2 billion, but maybe more than 200, you know, 76, 318. Like this one, zero raised. So we, we, you know, this is our world, and we can do something about that. Teenagers, I know you are very good at this. Maybe we can help, you can help us with that. Um, we can also be encouragers and cheerleaders. You know, life and mission, life as a missionary is, is, is hard, it's sad. Um, you are, some of you are very good with words. Some of you have that personality that just by being in the room, by just being present, you become an encouragement in that group. So you could be that. You could be encouragers and cheerleaders. Um, my, extro my extroverted friends, I'm talking to you. This is you. Um, and then um, those of you that really love social media, we can connect with our missionaries. We have missionaries that have teenagers. Te uh, teenagers. We have missionaries that's my age. We have missionaries that's your age. There are missionaries that have children your children's age. So how can we connect with them? How can we encourage them? We can also be prayer warriors. We have got to pray without ceasing. We live in a world that's so different, that is changing. We got to pray that kingdom come, that will be done. That is part of the, the, um, the Lord's prayer. I don't think, I think sometimes we, we get so comfortable in our own world that we forget that really we're looking forward to the joy and the, re the rejoicing when, when Jesus someday comes back and take us all home. So let's do that. Let's pray without ceasing. And then we can also be mentors and coaches. Some of us are so experienced, have a lot of wisdom. We can do that. And then we can also serve now. So I saw this uh, slide the other day. This one is, uh, he's, in, he's in Kenya, Uganda, sorry. He is a missionary. So I put that in there because there are opportunities around us. 
So this next slide, this is the homepage of the Christian Service Mission here in Birmingham. So we don't have to take time off, two weeks off from work to go to, you know, um, I don't know, England. We don't have to buy plane tickets. We can serve here and now, just right here in our backyard. And they need help all the time. We can use a weekend to do that. So I'm on my third point. One of the things that I teach my students is the concept of compounding interest. So I, teach in a I work in a business department. So it's kind of like the snowball effect. You know, you take this one little uh, round of snow, and then you roll down the, on the hill, and it becomes this big, giant snowball. So compound interest is like that. There are two components, of course, well, money, interest, and time. So I tell my students that if they start saving at 16 with interest and time, you can be a millionaire by the time you turn 65. So every time I teach this, I keep telling myself, you know what, this really needs to apply in our Christian lives too. So the Bible says um, that we should store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I don't have much money to invest, but I have time. I am guaranteed now. I have now, and, but sometimes I'm pretty much convinced myself that I'm too busy to do anything else. But in truth, I'm lying. If I really sit down, prioritize, maybe not be on Facebook too much, maybe not play Among Us too much. Yeah, I don't play Among Us. Aubrey, my nine-year-old, wanted me to install that in her phone. So I, mm, I don't know. i got to research that. So, but I know some of you do. My kids do. So, yeah, we, ha we can find time. So, young people, Lord willing, you have time in front of you. You know what? You're 14, 16. So how about invest that time in something that will have eternal value? something that um, will change other people's lives. And then those of us that are not so young, yes, we still have time. We also have wisdom. We have wisdom to know what, what are the things that has eternal value and eternal consequence. So I've been talking about time more, but it is, to, uh, it is also not to discount that um, we can find a little bit more money to give towards missions or towards missions work. So if, we're, if you are led to give financially, I do want to remind you as a member of your missions committee that at our church, we would we like uh, for you all to designate anything that's going to go into missions. Um, the reasoning for that is going to be another lesson altogether. But this is how we do things here at our church. So be sure that on the envelope or if you're giving online that you designate it to missions. So today, right now, after this service, you will have an opportunity to invest in somebody's life, just like somebody invested in my life, my parents, and this missionary in Texas. Um, in, in that process, you are also going to change your life. So let me show you my last picture. So these children, there are about 19 of them, they live in an orphanage in Uganda called Moonlight Orphanage. Your missions committee uh, needs your help in providing a Christmas for them to remember. Imagine having Christmas dinner and there's no meat in your, in your table. There's no ham. There's no turkey or steak. One time, my mother-in-law gave us steak for Christmas. It was really good. So, yes, those children, guys, we would like in 2020, we would like for that 2020 Christmas for them that they will remember it. We will buy them school supplies, things that they need. But also we want them to have Christmas dinner with meat. Um, but most of all, we would like for them to know that God loves them so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for them so that they will have eternal life. Their life will be changed, not just physically, but forever. And because these children are young, we are investing in their lives, and they have time to make a difference, to also share the gospel, to proclaim the gospel someday. 
So outside in the lobby, you've probably seen it. There's a table with balloons and pictures of children. Uh, first service, the first period, has already picked and adopted some of those children. So we're going to do we, we're doing something like a little bit like uh, Mini Compassion International. So um, $100 is our goal. So if you guys would get together as a family, as a group of friends, or as small groups, and adopt one child, that would be awesome. That would be great. So be sure that you designate. Do not put the child's name on the check, just on the envelope outside. So... Thank you for letting me talk. So before I end, again, let us all challenge each other to do each other to do missions now, right here. Don't wait. Um, not only does it change other people's lives, it will also change your life now and also in the future. Pastor Thad, um, in one of his preachings one time, mentioned that someday we're going to be standing in front of God in the Bema seat and that our choices and our actions will be judged and I'm hoping that we have invested all of our time and our efforts and our resources towards something that has eternal value. Thank you all so much for this opportunity to talk to you and tell you a little bit about us and a little bit about me and my work in missions. Someday I'll tell you all about our story, how Daryl and I met at Dallas Theological Seminary, but I don't have time for all of that. So thank you so much. worship the Lord together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a fortress, glory divine, heir of salvation. Purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. This is my story. 
good father he is a good good father you know he's a father that knows every single thing about you he's a father that always loves us Um, he's a father that doesn't change he's the same yesterday and today and forever I don't know about you guys but that sounds pretty good to me um, we have children's church. I thought the Lord was telling me we have children's church. This is Ron Gardner. Ron Gardner says we have children's church. That's fine. Um, for the next part of our conference, we want to focus on discipleship and um, I just want to make mention of um, some examples, like just real briefly in my life. I grew up in Lake Charles Bible Church. And when I think about Brother Lane, that's what you called pastors back in those days, Brother Lane. And I think about Don Barrett and Dan Cooley. And then I think about Brother Burt Morgan, who was, they just called him Brother Burt Morgan. He wasn't a pastor. When he prayed at the end of a service, 10 minutes. You knew it, too. I mean, he was just, he was just a godly man. Though. And he was, he was an older man to me, at least when I was a boy. He looked old. But, boy, he just loved investing in, in young people. And um, just a solid believer. Um, I think about um, Buford Sarver. And I think about Bill Miller. Um, I could go on and on. And those are just people in Louisiana, men in the body, that took time to invest in my life. And that's what discipleship's about. It's about investment. It's about connecting with, with other believers in Christ. And, and uh, Van Cook is going to come in just a moment and um, share his testimony about 
discipleship and what that's meant in his life and challenge us in that and how important that is as believers that we would be willing to come together in small groups and be vulnerable and say, hey, I need prayer in this area. I need prayer in that area. Um, there's just a lot of positives that go with small group ministry and um, just so beneficial. One of the passages that comes to my mind uh, is Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, and I just want to read these verses, but there's a lot of discussion in the New Testament, especially by the Apostle Paul, on maturing in Christ. Maturing in Christ. And if you're going to mature in Christ, you have to be in the book. I mean, you're going to have to do that on a regular basis. So he says, in writing to the Colossian believers, he says, we proclaim him, meaning the Lord, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete or mature in Christ. That's the goal, is maturity in Christ. He says, for this purpose also I labor. In other words, I'm laboring for this purpose. I want to see people come to maturity in Christ. He says, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. This morning you're going to hear from Van. I've already heard him once. I'm looking forward to hearing him again. Um, and how the Lord has worked in his life over the years uh, through small group ministry and discipleship. So Van, you come and you share with us uh, this morning what the Lord has uh, put on your heart. morning i'll tell you guys the same thing i told the uh, first group and that's that you look so much better from this side than you do from back there i mean this morning uh the service has been about encouragement and encouraging one another and i'm very encouraged uh it reminded me um while i was sitting back there listening to thad a little earlier of a, a little sticker i had inside my first pickup truck that i had when i was uh, pretty young and had become a christian and it says um, in that, it says, uh, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Rejoice and be glad in it. Every day God makes. And when we wake up, we need to be rejoiceful. We need to understand that God has given us new opportunities to live for him. He's given us new opportunities to praise him. He's given us new opportunities to glorify him. On the way to uh, church this morning, and this is um, something that's free. It's not part of the uh, thing that Thad asked me to speak about, though. Uh, I have a habit of listening to uh, especially old Christian rock and roll. Uh, people like uh, Petra and uh, DC Talk, and uh, Christy's familiar with DC Talk. Yes. But uh, that shows you're a little bit out there, you know. <clears throat> and I was listening to a Brian Duncan song, but what it did is it reminded me of a Mile in the Feather song that I. <laughs> And Milo the Favor used to sing this song, and it, it, I can't sing, so I can't sing it to you, but it said, he is coming back again, he is coming back again. It says, I may, it may be morning, night, or noon, I just hope it's very soon. Jesus is coming back again. What greater hope can anyone have than knowing, if you're a believer, that Jesus is coming back one day? He's in heaven right now, he's preparing a place for us, and not only that, he's alive. He's a living hope. In First uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, it said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. You know what? You can store up as much stuff as you want to here on this earth. You can put money in the bank. You can build big houses. But you know what? It's going to all go away one day. But what Jesus is doing right now is he's storing up stuff for those who are his. And it's been mentioned one day we're going to stand before him at the Bama seat. We're going to give an account for everything we've done. God's going to put what we've done on the ground. He's going to burn it up. And whatever remains is what we did that was worthwhile. So we need to be discerning about the things that we're doing, discerning about our time. And we need to be investing in our relationship with the Lord, which brings me to the subject of small groups. I've been a part of small groups probably for 20-plus years. Uh, even at the church that I went to prior to this church, I was in some small groups, and I was uh, discipled and uh, really taught uh, a lot of things uh, concerning uh, who the Lord is. But more than that, I was able to experience uh, life with other believers. I was able to experience... Uh, uh, their testimonies and see them firsthand in the things that uh, they did to honor and glorify God. When Jesus uh, began his uh, earthly ministry here on, um, uh, you know, uh, with his disciples, he chose 12 people to uh, hang out with. And they got to, to learn more than just uh, the living word that he was before them, but they got to learn lifestyles. They, like, they got to learn habits that, that Jesus had, his praying, his uh uh, his teaching, you know, Jesus could have walked up on a mountain and said, I need a million people, and boom, they would have come, you know, and he could have spoken to all of them, but that's not the way he chose to do it. He chose to take 12 people and to speak to them, and then those 12 people go out and they speak to 12 more, which multiplies to 12 more, which exponentially ends up to what we have today, which is the church, you know, because when Christ ascended, he sent a helper. And a helper is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what gives us the opportunity to share with other people and to be able to give them what Christ gave us. And that's hope. And we've got hope. You know, I don't care what the TV says. I don't care what the news says. And I don't care what your latest social media feed says, which I'm not even on it. But the hope is found in his word. It's found in his Holy Spirit. It's found in a relationship with Christ and in your horizontal relationship with the believers. You know, you've got this vertical relationship with the Lord, but he gave us this horizontal relationship that builds us up in the body. You get built up by doing that. In Acts 2.42, uh, early in the church, it spoke of how a vital church grows, and it talks, uh, it says this, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Three things mentioned there, study, fellowship, and prayer. Well, those are things that you can gain from being involved in a small group or a discipleship. You can certainly get the study of the Word. And I know what you're saying. I know what all of you are saying right now. You say, man, I am in the Word all the time. I'm digging every day. I get up in the morning. I dig at lunch. I go dig through the Word. Man, I'm just getting so much of God's Word. I can't hardly stand it. How could I possibly get involved in a small group and get more of the Word? I understand. I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I, I probably study the Word too much. Not. 
I mean, I cannot get enough of God's Word. God's Word is so incredibly awesome and satisfying. You know why? Again, it offers hope to us. Um, I encourage you to have personal Bible study time. You need it. I need it. We all need it. Because what it does is it gives us the foundation to grow further in life. It allows us to mature. The study of Scripture in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says this, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And when it says be diligent, this word diligent is a zealous persistence, meaning that we are just, I mean, not getting enough of it. We're hanging out. We're, we're just digging into it. We're going, what do you got next? What do you got next? You know, I don't know if you ever study the Word and you start flipping through and you're reading and you realize, man, I'm way over here and I started way over there. And God's just taking you to a different place. That's how the Word of God is. It's alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It does stuff that no other book in the world. This is the only book ever written that can tell you how to live forever. Wow. How many times do you pick it up a week? When you get in a Bible study and you get in a small group with other people, you begin to see other people that love the Word like you love the Word. In Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, says us, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Oh, wow, what an opportunity. 24 says, consider how we may spur one another along unto good deeds. That's what a small group will allow you time to do. Because in here, I'm not sure how much we're going to stir each other up. In here, singing, man, when B sings some of these songs like Good, Good Father, wow, that stirs me up. But you know what encourages me even more? When Tony Cooey gives a testimony about somebody he led to the Lord that week. Wow. Or somebody else says, hey, you know that scripture we studied about creation last week? I shared that at lunch last week with somebody else and was able to tell them and testify of the fact that this world is not millions and billions and trillions of years old, but it's just a few thousand years old. And I know that because scientifically I can see some things that prove that. But I know that because God's spirit testifies to me as well that he created the heavens and the earth. So the study of God's word is one benefit that we get from uh, small group time and small uh, group together. But another benefit that we get is fellowship. It says, uh, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Well, fellowship, koinonia, is this idea of participating with one another. And you can participate with one another in ministry, in prayer, yes, in eating if you want to, in fellowship, but it's a more intimate thing than we get to have on Sunday morning in church. It creates stability. It pushes you towards progress and towards the goal that we all have, and that's to be more Christ-like and to glorify and magnify God in everything that we do, right? I mean, that's what we really want to do, whether we eat or drink or whether we work or play. We want to glorify God, right? Magnify Him in what we're doing in our lives. Well, small group can help you to do that. Why? Because other people testify of it and the things that God has done in their life that way. Also, Thad mentioned this uh, maybe after the, uh, during the first service. It makes you vulnerable. You're more vulnerable to the people that are around you. You have to realize 
that those people that you're hanging out with aren't the perfect people that you thought they were. I told the first group this, and I think I offended Ron, but I said, you know, by going to a Bible study at Ron Gardner's house, I found out that his coffee pot needed cleaning. His little light came on when I was making coffee, and it says, clean coffee pot or something like that. It says, uh, run cleaning cycle. I mean, so I figured out Ron was not perfect. Now, Denise, Denise, she's another story. I think she is perfect. So, uh, but, I mean, I've gotten to know them better. I've gotten to know them more personally. I've gotten to know them more intimately. You begin to relate to people and appreciate their gifts. You find out what kind of gifts people have when you're in a small group. There is no other way to grasp that kind of content from, from hanging out on Sunday morning. Because you hang out on Sunday morning, and I know that Buddy is an encourager from that. But that's, that's maybe one of the few things I know about Buddy. But when Buddy and I get together in a Bible study, guess what? I'm going to learn a little bit more about him. And beyond the Bible study, just in fellowshipping in the small group environment. Romans 15, 5 and 6 says this, May the God who gives us endurance and who gives us endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus has, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Christ, Lord Jesus Christ. When you see others glorifying God, it's encouraging. You know, and not only that, it's unifying. It helps to build a unity between you. So two things are, one is the study of God's Word. The second is fellowship. I mean, if that's not awesome enough for you, there's exactly uh, probably 10 million other things. But another thing that uh, was mentioned in Acts 2 is they prayed together. So prayer is a benefit of small group. But it's a different kind of prayer than you get uh, when you're praying like Sunday mornings or when you're praying maybe even at a prayer meeting. It's a more personal time. It's a time that you begin to understand when you're praying for somebody uh, maybe more specific needs that they have because they've shared things during the time of a small group or discipleship that they maybe not did not share otherwise. Galatians 6.2 says that we should bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You become burdened for people and, and the things that they're experiencing, you realize you're not the only one having struggles in life. You realize that even though I see that little sticker when I get in my truck, or I used to see it when I get in my truck, uh, to, um, you know, be glad that it's the day that the Lord hath made, rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, you know, I still struggle. I have hard times. I have times when I'm not joyful, where I allow circumstances to create my attitude for the day. You know, Paul, he was hanging out in prison. He was chained to a guard 24-7. And do you know Paul used the word joy over and over and over in the book of Philippians? Because Paul didn't have circumstantial joy. He had spiritual joy, which is given to him by the Holy Spirit. Well, we can pray for one another, and we can have joy because of the fact that we're able to fellowship with one another. Uh, but some of the times when we were able to pray and uh, when we were meeting in homes, which I hope will come back soon and maybe next year, uh, we'll get to do that. We would even split up in little smaller groups where the guys maybe go off and pray guy things and the girls, women, ladies go off and pray lady things, you know. And so it really offered an opportunity for us to partner with one another in a better, more effective, and more personal and intimate way. We hadn't gotten to do that as much here at the Fellowship Hall, 
I still feel a little bit corporate when I'm in there because I'm so used to the in-home Bible studies, but it still gives you an opportunity to know people, to meet people, to understand people in a way that you would not otherwise. Now, the last thing I want to say is that we need to wrap all this up in love. There's no way that you can get together with a group of people and spend time with them praying, spend time with them fellowshipping, spend time with them in the Word of God without coming out with some type of love. If you're a believer, the Lord God is going to give you a love for those people. And it's not a conditional love. It's agape love, the kind of love that's talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it says we're patient, we're, you know, we don't keep an account of wrongs, that, uh, you know, we're kind, we do those kind of things. And, and, and it really and truly allows us to become different people because of that. And um, Matthew, uh, well, actually, I'm, I'd already mentioned uh, in Galatians 6, um, verse 2, that it says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, if you go back in uh, chapter 5, verse 14, it says the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that chapter is talking about love. Is what So that one word is love. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 22, verse 37, he answered them and he said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, right? And they didn't ask him this question, but he answered it anyway. He said, and the second's lock into this, and he says, that's to love your neighbor as yourself. But when you hang out with people in a discipleship environment, a small group environment, you can't help but become a person who loves those people. You think about them when you're at home. I think about where they sit because I get an opportunity to teach. And Thad may do this with you guys, you know, in church in the mornings. You know, I think about, you know, well, Tony sits right here and, you know, Denise sits here. And, you know, and I kind of just start praying for them around the table like that. Why? Because God lays them on my heart and I love them. So to sum it up. Small groups will help you to be a better student of the Word. They will help you to have a passion for God's Word. Why? Because not only because you study the Word, but because other people are in there studying with you. They encourage you through their study and through their comments of it. <clears throat> it also creates an environment for fellowship, which is simply partnering with one another. Well, we partner to do things. We partner to pray. We partner to minister. We partner to love one another. And it helps us pray more effectively for one another. So that once we get to be a little bit more vulnerable and we admit the fact that we're not 100% perfect and we haven't got our church faces on and we're not talking Christianese to each other, we're actually talking, you know, things that matter. You know what Christianese is? It's where we use all these, these, and thousand those and, you know, praise God. and I'll, I do praise God, but I praise God in my spirit through the way that I live my life, not in my words. So... It allows us to do that, and it allows us to pray more effectively for one another. So I want to encourage you, even though small groups are winding down for this time of the year, we're going to start them back up in January, and I want to encourage you to pray and consider, if you've never been in a small group, how you might get involved with one and what it might do to help build you up as a more mature, more effective believer in Christ. And I'm going to leave you with this one thought that many times when you go to a small group, church really happens. Thank you.
Thank you, Van. Love his shoes. How about those shoes? You like those shoes? Uh, I remember those shoes way back when. Um, thank you for sharing with us about um, discipleship, small group, that whole concept of being together and studying the Word and fellowshipping. Uh, very, very critical, praying together. Um, I appreciate Glenn F. and Van uh, and their time this morning. I hope it's been an encouragement uh, to you. Uh, one of the things that we do not discuss here at Grace a whole lot is money. We just don't talk about money. And like I told them first service, I'm thankful I don't have to do that every two or three weeks. Say, hey, give more, give more. Uh, I don't know that I could do that, to be honest with you. Um, I've never had to, and I praise God for it. Um, there's a lot to be thankful for. And, um, you know, we give in different ways other than financially. Right? You give of your time. Right? We give our time in serving the Lord. Um, we give to one another in different ways of ministry. Um, and we do give financially. Uh, just a quick story about that. When I was growing up, I used to think, well, that's just what adults do. You know, I get, I get to a certain age and I'll start giving. And then I arrived at that age and guess what happened? I didn't give. And um, Teresa will tell you this, that that has been... A continual process in our lives and we're at the point now I mean I'm I just I have to tell you my heart in this I'm, I'm always looking for ways to give I, I just I am um, I don't have thousands of dollars in my checking account um, but I just want to give I, I just have a heart for that and I used to watch people that had that gift and I'm like man I was so bad want that and the Lord had to remind me I might not have that gift but have the responsibility to give and what a blessing it is i i don't know i just if you're a young person here today and you're well i'll i'll wait till i'm an adult don't wait uh we had a, a man in our church in new york i was teaching on the concept of giving i don't think i was in that class teaching them as so much as the lord was teaching me if that makes sense he's like look dad you got to get this together and um I remember he came up to me, his name was Jeff, and uh, he came up to me, and he was a farmer. You don't think about New York and farmers, right? You think about the big city, but upstate New York is gorgeous, a lot of farmland. And he came to me one day after class, he said, Dad, I just, man, he said, I watched that plate being passed, and he said, I just, I just don't have that kind of cash. I said, I don't either. He said, man, you know, I really want to do, and I, he had wife, three boys, and uh, they were all pretty young. And he said, Dad, you know, when the plates passed, I just so bad want to give $5. He said, I have $5 to give every week. And I said, give it. Give it. Give the $5. And um, as time went on, I told him, I said, Jeff, I said, you'll, number one, you'll never outgive the Lord. And you'll find a joy and contentment in that. That's just, I can't even explain it to you. And just to, to fill in the blanks with his testimony uh, when we left Berean, I mean, he was just a faithful giver. And the Lord supplied him more than $5, I'll just say that, that he could give. So, I mean, you could find people in this room with testimonies like that. Who had nothing that started giving to the Lord. And you just can't outgive the Lord. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 9, it says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
Each one must do just as he is purposed in his heart. That means, we, that means we have to intentionally pray, right, about how that looks. Not grudgingly, not like, man, you know, here, here's the $10 bill, you know, I just can't barely get it out of my hand. It's not that way. Or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And you know that word is in the Greek? Hilarious. He loves a hilarious giver. One that just can't wait to give back to him because who owns it all? He does. He's the one that gives to us. So I just want to encourage you in that. If you've never thought about that, um, there weren't young people in the congregation in the first service, so I didn't necessarily go that route. But um, I do want to encourage you as young people to think about that discipline in your life. And remember this, you're not given so your peer can watch you give. You're given to the Lord who's given to you. And so I just encourage you to do that uh, and, and just pray about how that looks in your life. This morning, um, Tom Reed is going to come and give us a financial report. And as he makes his way up here, I mean, Tom does a tremendous amount um, in service to the Lord and um, in working with our finances. Brenda Seal is here a couple of days a week or as often as she wants to be. Um, and she's the financial secretary and does a tremendous job. And her and Tom work together. And then also Brenda Hudspeth is in there. And Lloyd goes in there. He plays on the computer. I'm not sure what Lloyd does in there. But he's a part of that team. And uh, we just really appreciate all of their uh, efforts and service uh, to the Lord. And I think you're going to find the Lord has just been so, so faithful and good to us uh, this last year. As he's always been, really, Tom. Hopefully you have a uh, financial report in the chair or available to you. And I'll briefly go over and uh, give you a summary of, uh, of the report. This covers the uh, time from November of 2019 to, uh, through October of this year. Um, we started in checking with a balance of uh, $17,043. Receipts received during that time was um, a total of uh, 448,283. Uh, that's slightly down uh, about 5% from what we had the previous year, um, which considering is, is probably very good. Um, general fund, uh, on the other hand, was up 2,000 uh, or 2% 2 at uh, 521,594. Disbursements were uh, a total of 820,026, and in the disbursements we had uh, uh, a savings in our expenses under insurance, uh, office, furniture, kitchen, and other supplies, payroll, and contract labor, and utilities. They were all down about 15% during that period of time, and that allowed us to... Uh, give extra money on our uh, building loan. If you'll notice the building fund on the receipts, we had 127000 given and we were able to pay on the building loan of 198000 uh, Speaking of the building loan, we took that out in October of 17 at the amount of $900,000. 
And at the end of October of this year, our balance was 525000 So that means in three years, we've been able to pay down $375,000, which is a real blessing. Uh, our balance at the end of October was uh, in checking was $45,300. And we also had a savings account balance of 117453 so if you have any questions, I'll be available after the service if you have any details you'd like to have. Thank you. Well, guys, we close out today, uh, this week. Uh, been a lot of talk, uh, a lot of thinking, I'm sure, about uh, who's in control of things about um, who rules, who has power, who doesn't have power. But uh, the name of this song is There is a King. And, uh, you know, the world doesn't recognize this king, not yet, but they will one day. And when they do, they're going to realize that he has all the power and he reigns forever. See, I'll listen to the words. There is a king seated among us let every heart receive him now where there is praise he will inhabit there will be grace and mercy all around and every burden will be lifted in his presence every trophy will be laid down at his feet there is a name that reigns above all others Jesus Christ the King above all kings Unto the Lamb, honor and glory, worthy is He who overcame, buried in shame, risen in power, He is alive and the stone is rolled away. All our worship will belong to him forever. Death is conquered, and our Savior holds the keys. There is a name that reigns above all others. Jesus Christ, the King above all kings.
told him first service I wanted to play it again like he just got finished and I was like play it again uh, what a wonderful reminder that the Lord is in charge guys no matter what the world may be looking to or toward um, I think this year has been a good reminder of a lot of things but the one thing that I think it that kind of rings true for us now and thinking about it is he's the only hope we have and uh, we better be trusting in him on a day-by-day basis. Um, I wanted to just wrap up with just, uh, I'm not going to preach. I told him first service, I'm going to preach. But um, one of the things about Paul that um, just amazes me is his life of, of, of joy, that attitude that he had in circumstances. And as um, Van pointed out, that comes from the Spirit of the Lord, but it's almost like at the end of Philippians, he's trying to wrap up, and he's not real good about wrapping up. I think if he was here today, he would be speaking for a couple, three hours. Um, but in chapter 3 of Philippians, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. So it's almost like, hey, I'm closing it out. I want, you to remind, I want to remind you, rejoice in the Lord. We can rejoice in him in the midst of whatever circumstance. Well, then you get, and he's got a lot more he says because that's verse 1 of chapter 3. And then you go to chapter 4, verse 4, and there it is again. He says, rejoice in the Lord, and he gives you that time frame, always, always. And again, I will say rejoice. My grandfather's favorite passage was Philippians 4, 4 through 8. He just loved this passage. And uh, he, would, he would read it to me every single time we went to visit them. He'd be like, and it was like he was sharing it for the very first time. He said, Dad, you know, you really need to have this passage in your mind as you get older. And I'm like, well, every single year I hear the same thing over and over again. I'm like, but I know now that the Lord allowed that for me. Because, you know, all of us are 
tempted to react to consequence and circumstance. And that joy peace, right, is something that we can have even we may not be happy about something. Because uh, joy is not based on circumstance. We can be joy, joyful and we can rejoice in the Lord because we know who he is. And I love the prepositional phrase here. He tells me, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And if, you're gonna, if I was going to ask you to stand up this morning, I'm not going to, but if I was going to, I just called on you and said, what would you rejoice in the Lord about this morning? How would you answer that? Because I want to tell you something. I told the guys first service, the church does not need to have an Eeyore mentality. We need to have a celebratory mentality. Celebrating the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we have the privilege to do that until he comes and gets us. And guess what happens then? Uninterrupted. Right? Uninterrupted worship in the presence of the Lord our God. So, hope this has been encouraging for you today. I appreciate Glen F and and um, uh, Van and Tom sharing. Uh, there's a lot of pieces to what goes on at Grace, and I'm so thankful for the ones that I get to to walk side by side with and serve uh, with together. Um, I want to make mention of the ballot. Um, hopefully, you received the elder deacon ballot in the letter that was sent to you. Um, if you're looking at your spouse and like I didn't see that letter, um, that's okay because. Uh, we have extra ballots out there in the foyer, so when you walk outside the doors, um, you'll see the ballots there. Um, and on the ballot, it says the following individuals were nominated by the church body and then approved by the elders. And so this is the final list, and we believe the Lord just gave us a really good process to work through. And these are the um, men that have been nominated and then approved by the elders for your consideration and uh, we want you to um, take some time to pray about that. And um, so um, if you could just have these ballots in by next Sunday. So we're going to extend the time a little bit because not everybody's able to come and meet uh, personally. So um, we're going to extend the time for another week. And so if you need to fill that out, I would encourage you to do that today if you're prepared to do that. And you can place them in the offering plates. If not, you can um, drop by. We have a drop box outside that you can... Come by and put your um, ballot in there. But I would ask that you would prayerfully consider the ones who have been uh, nominated and approved by the elders. All right? You know, one of the things that um, I experienced growing up at Lake Charles Bible Church and then at Faith Chapel when I was here in Birmingham and then at Brian Bible Church in New York State, um, you know, they had annual meetings and some of those were interesting meetings. I can just tell you that. I won't go into detail. But some of them were interesting meetings. And I remember the first church conference that I experienced at Springville Road. I was like, man, this is different. And I get to hear about ministry. And I get to hear about the Lord working in people's lives. And there's not this focus on what color is the carpet. And how, you know, what color are we going to paint the walls. And should we hit, increase his salary or lower his. And, you know, it's just like... <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for an encouraging time. So I trust this has been an encouragement to you. And as Tom was going through the financial piece, I was just reminded of the faithfulness of the Lord. He is so good to provide uh, for us here at Grace, and I trust that you're thankful uh, this morning. All right, why don't we stand, and we'll close in a word of prayer. Rejoice with um, John and Chris.
what's going on with them and thankful they're able to come back this week and pray, we need to pray for their safety as they return. Uh, so let's do that together. Lord, we just want to thank you so much this morning for our time together. Uh, I thank you for uh, everyone who shared and the encouragement and challenge that was there. And I pray that there might be a mentality um, of service, a continued service uh, amongst our congregation. Lord, you put in our hearts how we might serve you, how we might give more to you, Lord. Um, and, and just supporting others even outside in these parachurch ministries. The opportunity in front of us today is to support this orphanage. Um, Lord, we just, we just commit uh, what we do to you. And we pray that it would be pleasing. Lord, we began talking this morning and just rejoicing over the freedom that we have. We're thankful for all the, the veterans and for those that have served in the past and served today that help protect us. And Lord, we also are rejoicing uh, with our brother John and how you literally began changing things yesterday and, and the men here that were praying just got to hear that testimony of how things were changing. And I'm so thankful for what you've done in his life. We continue to pray for his recovery, that things would go well. We pray for Chris. Uh, she's by her husband. And so thankful that um, he has that support with her. And uh, we pray for Lindsay, who's up there with them, and uh, their daughter. And then for uh, Paige and Tony, who are here. Uh, Lord, we just pray for them and their family and just... Just so thankful that we can rejoice with them in answered prayer. And I pray that today, Lord, you would help us to make the choice that we're going to choose to celebrate you each and every day. We're not going to be controlled by things we cannot control. And so we just thank you for our time together this morning. May we worship you well and serve you well until you come for us. In the name of Christ, we pray all these things. Amen. You are dismissed.